Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. It's the final podcast before Christmas, and we have another great show for you. Dr. Robert Zayas, Executive Director of the New York State Public High School Athletic Association, will be on to talk about the cancellation of the Winter Sports Championships. And then I'll speak with Tim Reynolds, who covers the NBA for the Associated Press. I recorded the interview with Tim Tuesday morning, hours before Giannis Adekokumbo signed a max contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. First, though, another Capital Region Division I basketball team will finally open its season. After a couple of pauses because of the coronavirus pandemic, the UAlbany men's basketball team starts its season Saturday against UMBC. Joining me now to talk about the team is the head coach of the Great Danes, Will Brown. Will, uh, thanks for coming on, and it's been a normal year, hasn't it? Well, first off, I appreciate you uh, having me on, and... Yeah, I don't think normal is uh, is a word uh, to describe this year. Uh, it has been it has been crazy, uh, hectic, and I don't see uh, it, it slowing down anytime soon as we head into twenty one. I hope I'm wrong, but um, you know, I think we just all have to focus on controlling what we can control, and I'm not sure how much we can control, but we've got to take care of what we can. Yeah. Well, I'm going to warn you in advance. We're taping this interview on Wednesday, and we'll post the podcast on Thursday. I have spoken to uh, Yolvani women's coach Colleen Mullen. I've talked to Sienna women's coach Sally Jack. And each time I've sp- spoken with the coach, it seems like, a, you know, with, in the case of the Yolvani Jerry Danes, like two hours after I posted the podcast with Colleen, the, you guys went back on pause. And then uh, Sienna just announced earlier the women have gone back on pause. So I'm hoping I'm not jinxing you here. I hope the third time's not a charm and you actually get through and we actually get, get the tip off on Saturday. Well, if we do have an interruption before Saturday, it's all your fault. So, um, but no, uh, we're, we're really excited, um, you know, about hopefully getting to Saturday. It's been a uh, rough go since March. You know, we had no spring, no summer. We really didn't start um, practicing with contact with any consistency until uh, the night before Thanksgiving. And then we had a like a two day pause, uh, during, you know, that first week. And, you know, so we're just fortunate to have the opportunity to play. We have one more, um, COVID test we have to pass prior to Saturday's game. So I've got my fingers crossed, but it's going to be nice to just, you know, put on the uniform to coach this group. Uh, we are playing a team in UMBC that has been going strong since basically uh, the 1st of August with no pauses, no interruptions. They're going to have six games under their belt prior to our game. And on top of that, they're really good. They return basically, you know, seven of their top eight players. So it will be a tremendous challenge, but one that we're looking forward to. Uh, you know, we just want to take the court and play and compete. Our guys want to do what they love to do, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to coaching them. How frustrating has this been, Will, for you, for the players? Just, you know, you, you're practicing one minute and then pausing, practicing, pausing. I mean, the starts and stops, I mean, how difficult has this been? Is this, the, you know, this experience has been the worst you've ever dealt with as a coach? Yeah, you know, it's something that I've never experienced, uh, and I don't know how many coaches have experienced something like this. You, you feel for the players. Um, I think the tough part is, you know, everybody talks about, well, our guys can't work out. They're going to get out of shape. Uh, it wasn't the physical piece that was a concern for me. It was the mental piece. Anytime, you know, a young man has to quarantine and stay in a room for 14 days uh, or anytime there's a pause and kids, you know, don't have access to facilities, they keep hearing what they can't do and not what they can do. Uh, you just, you know, communication has been really important, uh, you know, during this process, trying to keep our players' spirits up keep them focused, especially on the academic side of things, uh, you know, and getting them to understand that, you know, this is 
above our program, above our athletic department, and at times above our university. Uh, you know, we're dealing with state guidelines, state protocols, NCAA guidelines and protocols. And yes, our university has guidelines and protocols we have to follow. We have the Department of Health. Um, so for us, uh, our university has done a wonderful job with the testing protocols, staying on top of this to really ensure the health and safety of not only uh, the student athletes, but all the students on campus. So, you know, just really uh, had to remain patient. Uh, I think our guys finally can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, I'm cautious from my end because we are entering the holiday season. You've got Christmas and Hanukkah and uh, the new year and then the dead of winter coming. So, and let's face it, now we're going to get hit with a, with a ridiculous snowstorm, uh, apparently, uh, in the next 24 hours. So a lot of challenges, but, you know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. And, uh, you know, we just have to put our head down and charge forward. How do you think your uh, players have handled this situation? You know, as well as they, they can under the circumstances. Uh, you know, I think, you know, during all of these pauses, you know, some guys had the means financially to get a gym membership and, you know, do some lifting and uh, running and shooting. Some guys didn't, so they had to go to, like, a, a park uh, and maybe shoot or jog around campus. Uh, you know, every individual's handled it a little bit differently, but, you know, I'm proud of them because I, I do think they were very responsible, uh, you know, during this, and I think they need to continue to be responsible. Um, you know, everything we've asked them to do as far as, you know, the, the physical and social distancing, the washing the hands, the wearing the mask, uh, showing up uh, on time uh, for every test. We've been testing three days a week. So, uh, you know, I'm proud of them for that. I'm proud of their patience. I'm proud of them really just buying into what we were telling them. Um, you know, at least uh, I told guys, if you have a concern, you have a complaint, you need to talk just call me, uh, you know, you can call me all day, every day, and, and I'll help you as much as, as much as we can. I think we're all zoomed out at this point in time. I wish I knew what zoom was before the pandemic. I would have bought stock in, in zoom, uh, and I would have probably done very well, but, um, I think we're all zoomed out, but you know, uh, we were having daily zoom, uh, meetings and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been tough, but again, uh, we're upbeat. We're excited, and uh, like I said, we got to pass one more COVID test uh, before Saturday, and, you know, I think it's uh, a major accomplishment that we made it to Saturday. Yeah, and now, you, we just have to find, now we just have to find ways to win games. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Zoom. It's, it's funny, when I first started hearing people talk about doing Zoom calls, I, my first thought, I go back to my childhood, the PBS show Zoom thing, people are doing Zoom? What What's Zoom? I, I, I think of the PBS show that... It was educating kids back in the seventies. I never, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm just. I'm, I haven't. I've never created a Zoom call. I, I've been on some, but it's just. I, that's just the way I thought. It's like I, it's, it's a great way of doing things, but like I say, you get tired out after a while. Well, this this tells you how focused I am or narrow-minded I am <laughs> that I didn't know what Zoom was, and before the pandemic, I didn't even know what Netflix was. Uh, and then sure enough, once that, once the pandemic hit and everything shut down, I learned quickly what Netflix was. So, uh, you know, it's been, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's been a challenge for, uh, for everyone. So I think the healthcare workers, you know, uh, you can't thank them, uh, enough. I think educators, um, you know, I really appreciate what they've done, especially for my two boys, just watching my 10 year old trying to deal with remote learning and we're helping him with math and my wife defers to me with math and I'm like this is how you get the answer uh buddy and he's like dad you can't do it that way I'm like well when I grew up this is how you do it he goes I can't do it that way we have to do it this way and I'm reading a 10 year old textbook trying to figure out how to help him with math so teachers if you listen thank you appreciate what you do um but just a lot of challenges for for everyone out there and i think we've all tried to 
make the most of it. And we're all hoping that 2021 brings some normalcy to our lives. But I think it's going to be a new normal because I don't think this is going to slow down any anytime soon. So I think we just have to keep plugging away and making the most of it. Will Brown, head coach of the University, uh, Albany men's basketball team, joining us here, us here on the uh, Parting Shots podcast. What about the challenges for you, Will, coaching this team this year? Do you have to be a little more patient just because you, know, you guys have, haven't had much time to, uh, to practice and you know, get, uh, get your systems uh, in place? You know, patience, that's a great word right now, heading into this weekend. Um, you know, I have to be realistic with my expectations for our team. Um, I also have to understand our opponent, who, you know, who we're playing, how long they've been practicing, how many games have they had, have they had interruptions and pauses, and there's a great disparity between us and UMBC as far as, uh, you know, time on the court and so uh have to be patient in regards to that uh but also we have to try to try to find a way to win games we've had no scrimmages no referees no non-conference games so um again i've got to learn as much as i can about our roster our team and also try to win these games. So I think that's where the challenge lies. Um, you know, we don't have any evaluation film or video where we normally would have with exhibition game. I mean, scrimmages or non-conference games. So, uh, again, I want to get guys minutes. I want to find that happy medium between playing guys. How many guys do I want to play? How many guys do I want to evaluate? But, hey, Coach Brown, we have to win this game. And then when we play on Saturday, we turn around and play the same team again on Sunday, which is something I've never experienced in all of my years of coaching. That's you know, we've be- played back-to-back before in like a conference tournament or a holiday tournament, but never in the regular season uh, in conference play against the same opponent. So that'll be quite a challenge. Let's talk about the team a little bit. I mean, what do you like about the team? Who you, I mean... Who do you expect to really emerge uh, as your leaders? You know, I think if we were a long-term stock, I would tell you bye, bye, bye. Um, I think right now uh, we have some really talented new players. Uh, We have, for instance, we have a young man, C.J. Kelly, who's a transfer from New York State. I'm sorry, from Norfolk State, a six-foot-five wing who can really score he was on the all-rookie team in the MEAC he was on the conference tournament all-tournament team in the MEAC then he had had major knee surgery and he's probably about 80 to 85 percent right now but um, he's really talented so I think he's going to be good now but I think by mid to late January, he's going to be really, really good. And then we brought in, a, and he can really create offense off the dribble, which was a weakness of ours last year. We brought in a transfer, a graduate transfer from Loyola, Maryland, Chuck Champion, a 6'4 combo guard, averaged double figures two years in a row for Loyola of Maryland, missed all of last year with an injury, then had a screw put in his foot, has only practiced for five or six days right now without restrictions. He is as rusty as rusty can be, probably only going to be able to play this weekend in three or four-minute spurts. But again, when we get probably to mid to late January, he's going to be a different player. Um, Kellen Taylor is a transfer from the Atlantic 10 um, at Duke, from Duquesne University, 6'5", 6'6", 225 pounds, tough physical, nasty, can guard multiple positions, can score within 8 to 10 feet of the basket. But he was a football player at Duquesne, was all-conference wide receiver in 17-18, played basketball. I guess he was like their Bo Jackson, played basketball and played 20 minutes a game in the Atlantic 10. So uh, and he played for a great high school program back in the day. So he's another guy that's going to be a major minute guy for us that uh, we have high expectations for. Um, and we haven't even – JoJo Anderson tried to play a few games last year, and we shut it down 
had major knee surgery, uh, another guy. And when I say major, you know, it was basically reconstructive. So um, he's getting back into the swing of things. But before he transferred to Albany at Northern Arizona, double-figure scorer, high free-throw rate, another guy that can create and make shots, all things we were lacking last year. So, you know, I just mentioned those four guys. I consider JoJo a new guy. And then we have some t- some returning guys that have had some success here. We really only lost Ahmad Clark. Uh, I, I, when I say only lost, I mean a guy that was really productive, that played major minutes for us. Uh, but Cameron Healy, I expect uh, to score and score at a higher rate for us. Trey Hutchinson made the all-rookie team in our league last year. Antonio Rizzuto has started 50 games in his college career for us. His experience uh, has really improved his off-the-dribble game, uh, has made shots in bunches for us. I think he's going to be really good. You know, Adam Luca as a freshman was really good, 9.7 rebounds a game. As a sophomore, missed uh, more than half the season with injuries. Um, he was playing really well, and then he broke his nose over the weekend and had a surgical procedure done yesterday. Not sure if he'll be available this weekend, but if he just gets back to the 9-7 and seven as a freshman, that'll be huge for us. He's 6'8", 230. Um, so I think where we're going to be at this weekend and fast forward to a month from now, if we don't have any interruptions or pauses, we'll be a completely different team because I think guys will be healthier. Guys will have more time playing with each other, more consistency, practicing and playing. Um, so I, I do think we do have the potential to be pretty good. Potential is a dangerous word. Uh, but we do open conference play with UMBC. It was picked two in the preseason poll. Returns, I believe, seven of their top eight guys. And then the next conference set of games is at Vermont, who's preseason number one. We'll learn an awful lot about our team early in the season. Well, I like Chuck Champion already because he's from my hometown of Philadelphia, so I'm rooting for him. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you know, he, he, the home of Rocky Balboa, right? That's right. Cheesesteak, soft pretzels, and everything. <laughs> well, trust me, I, I love a cheesesteak. I love the soft pretzels, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to love Chuck Champion, especially once he gets healthy. One person you didn't mention, Will, that, uh, in your breakdown, some kid, uh, look, I think you might be familiar with him, Jackson Brown. What's going to be like having <laughs> your son on the team? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's, um, you know, he, he came to Albany. It was his decision. You know, his mindset was that I want a red shirt and I want to get, uh, I want to play against Division One players every day in practice, and I want to use this year to really improve and to get better. So um, it's, you know, listen, when I, when he made the decision, you know, before the school year started, you know, I called Fran McCaffrey, the coach at Iowa, uh, former Siena coach who's coaching both of his sons right now. And, uh, you know, I picked his brain uh, a little bit and, you know, the advice Fran gave to me, because Fran said, listen, I called a couple of coaches who would coach their kids. And he mentioned Tubby Smith, specifically who coached his two sons, one at Georgia and one at Kentucky. And Fran's like, listen, the one thing I've tried to do is just treat them like every other player. And you have to look at it this way, Will. If they were playing college, if your son was playing college basketball somewhere else, you wouldn't have that daily interaction with him that you're going to have. So embrace it and appreciate it, Uh, whether it's for one year or four years. It's time that you will never, you know, it's just the time that you'll be together that ordinarily you wouldn't. So not only are you going to have that time together, but you're also going to get to coach him. And he goes, I, he goes, I value that more than anything every day. Just the time that I get to spend with Patrick and Connor, that if they were at another school, I wouldn't have that opportunity and we'll be able to talk about it for the rest of our lives. So Fran, you know, really put it in perspective, you know, for me, I have found myself being a little bit tougher on him than the rest of the guys. And one or two guys have even commented to me, man, coach, you're tough on him. I'm like, he's just another player for three hours. Don't coach. He's your son. I said he is, but not for three hours. He's another player, so uh, and he understands that. So you know, the guys have really embraced him and have 
have taken care of him, and especially when I kicked him in the butt. But I've really enjoyed it uh, so far. I think the person that's most concerned is my wife. So, um, you know, I've got to be careful because I have to answer to her ultimately when I go home every night. Well, I know she posts a lot on Instagram and Twitter, so I follow her. I think we follow each other, and uh, she does a great job with that. She'll probably make some comments. Who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just told her. I said, listen, I said, if I come home and you ask me why I didn't put him in the game, I'm going to start sleeping in the office. <laughs> you know, she might make me sleep in the office anyway. But, but the good thing is, uh, you know, she really – gets this and understands this and why he's doing it and uh you know i think she deep down uh you know is hoping that this is healthy for both of us meaning me and jackson and jackson has done a really good job of hand handling it and uh i can't say enough how good the players uh have been with jackson so i really do appreciate that well, Will, it's, I hope we get through this season unscathed. You start hopefully get the tip off Saturday at UMBC, and uh, good luck with it. And uh, let's let's like I said, let's get through this, and hopefully uh, no no more interruptions. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on. Keep up the great work, and I hope you, your family, friends, everybody uh, stays healthy and safe, and uh, enjoy the holidays. I appreciate that, Will. You too, and your as your family as well. Will Brown, the head coach of yours, you Albany Great Danes uh, men's basketball team. Thank you for joining us on the Parting Shots podcast. We'll be back uh, with more of the podcast. The executive director of the New York State Public High School Athletic Association, Dr. Robert Zayas, joins me next here on the Parting Shots Podcast. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. Flu season is here, and getting a flu shot is more important than ever because both flu and coronavirus will be spreading this fall and winter. Protect yourself from the flu. Get a flu shot now. Hi, I'm Daily Gazette staff writer Jim Schultz. I'd like to wish you a happy holiday season. Please stay safe and wear a face mask so we can enjoy talking about sports and not the pandemic in 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. Last Friday... The New York State Public High School Athletic Association announced the cancellation of the Winter Sports Championships because of the coronavirus pandemic. The second straight year, the Winter Sports won't have a state championship. To talk about that is the executive director of the NYSPHSAA, Dr. Robert Zayas. Uh, Dr. Zayas, welcome back to the podcast. And it seems like when I have you on the podcast, we're not talking about good news. Yeah, that's usually, um, unfortunately, the case with the crisis as it's continued to develop over the course of the last eight or nine months. Um, we haven't had a lot of good news to disseminate in quite some time, unfortunately. What, what led to me, why this, Why now for this decision uh, you know, last Friday? What, was there any thought of waiting maybe into January? Well, there was, but we, as we continue to listen to state officials and communicate with those state officials, um, we started seeing the theme develop as far as infection rates and hospitalization rates are increasing. And until those rates start to decrease, um, we're not going to get the opportunity to expand the sport offerings right now. And combined with that, our schools were expressing concerns about putting student athletes on buses for five and six hours, depending upon where the school is located and the location of the state championship event. And then also the hotel or overnight accommodations um, started creating a lot of concerns for our schools and a lot of challenges. It's one thing to participate in a regular season event where you might get on your school bus or you might get on a charter bus with your own school and, and travel for an hour and then participate. It's a whole nother challenge for a school district to put students on buses and travel down to, for example, Staten Island for the indoor track and field championships, spend the night in a hotel or spend multiple nights in a hotel. If you the skiing championships and you're in a hotel for multiple nights, how many students do you put in a hotel room? How do you feed those students becomes another obstacle to overcome. And it just the logistics involved and the concern involved about 
um, trying to accommodate all of those things for participating in state championships. And then the other element is, do we need to be focusing on state championships right now? Or as I've really been trying to stress for the last few months is our, our priority needs to be maximum participation for our student athletes. And if they can participate in, in other regular season events closer to home, that's probably the best alternative at this point in time. What has been the uh, reaction uh, statewide when the announcement came out? I think people are understanding, and I think our schools are appreciative that we were able to make the decision well in advance. But keep in mind, anything we do right now is going to be second-guessed, and I understand. That's just the business that we're in. I think the the other aspect of the decision that was made and released last Friday was the postponement of high-risk sports until authorization is given to us by state officials. I think that announcement was met with a lot a lot more concern, a lot more criticism, uh, because people just simply don't understand that high-risk sports are contingent right now upon a authorization from our state officials. Yeah, something like high-risk sports, like wrestling, uh, hockey, uh, basketball, it's, it's, I mean, it's, we saw, at least in the fall, we saw outdoor sports going on, but obviously playing indoors is, is another matter. Yeah, it, it is, and, and the Department of Health was very consistent in their risk assessment since they originally released their risk assessment on June 18th, and they have determined specific sports to be high risk. Now, the rationale and justification, that was done by the New York State Department of Health. Our association, our leadership, did not play a role in that risk assessment, but we certainly are respectful of the Department of Health and their criteria that they've utilized and they've examined and they've analyzed in order to come up with their risk assessment. And we do have low and moderate risk sports that are playing right now, and we're giving a lot of kids the opportunity to participate. But as far as those high-risk sports, we're waiting on authorization. We continue to advocate. We continue to communicate with our state officials. I think we've developed some very positive relationships over the course of the last eight months. But right now, as infection rates and hospitalization rates increase, it makes it just that much more difficult for us to get any kind of high-risk sports to be implemented as the situation seems to be getting worse. Yeah, we're seeing, you know, we saw that earlier this week that the vaccine is starting to come out now. We're seeing maybe, you know, healthcare workers getting the injection with the vaccine. If Let's say you know the vaccine. We start to get it rolled out here, and you know we get uh, uh, people like you and me to get it. Could we see at least some semblance of high-risk sports being played in the winter? I don't. I don't know if we're looking at the vaccine as the catalyst for getting high-risk sports. Um, again, I don't want to speak on behalf of the Department of Health or the governor's office because I certainly don't work for either of those entities. But I think what we're looking at right now is what I'm hopeful and trying to remain optimistic upon is if we can see those infection rates decrease and we can see those hospitalization rates decrease, I think that's going to be the criteria that will hopefully give us the opportunity to have additional consideration for high-risk sports. Obviously, as I mentioned, this is the second consecutive year for the winter sports to have their state championships uh, canceled because of this virus. Uh, how frustrating is that? Uh, and I know you, I, I watched a Zoom call last Friday, and you, you know, expressed concern as, as a parent. You said you have uh, children that play at sports. I mean, how, I mean what's what's that has been like trying to deal with this? It, it, every single day is chaotic, and every single day is attempting to address concerns and attempting to strategize and and look into the future without really understanding what it's going to look like in the next three to four weeks. And I think that's been the biggest thing that we've had to overcome is in in the world of, of sport administration, we set our calendars years in advance for state championship events. My staff and I and uh, our 11 sections um, that are run by very competent athletic administrators, we are constantly planning and we're constantly scheduling in a non-COVID world to ensure that the state championship events and sectionals and regionals are all run efficiently and giving kids, coaches, and fans a great atmosphere to promote those sports and to promote those student-athletes who are participating. Now, with this crisis that we're in, 
the planning can't be done years in advance. It can't be done months in advance. We're looking at trying to analyze information, trying to use readily available information and make decisions. And so it's really transitioned or really changed the way that we have to operate as a high school athletic association because of how uncertain things are. Again, we're, we're working with state officials, but state officials can only tell us what they know at this point in time. And I think everybody's working to the same common goal of getting back to some sense of normalcy. I mean, maybe too early now, but I'll ask this question. What's, what does the spring look like? Well, I think, I mean, there again, we're hopeful that on April 19th, the spring season will be able to begin. The majority of sports for the spring season are considered to be low and moderate risk. The only high-risk sport in the spring, and again, the risk assessment was created by the Department of Health, the only high-risk sport in the spring is that of boys lacrosse. So, again, assuming that we're in the same exact situation we're in right now, that we can have low and moderate-risk sports in the spring, I'm really looking forward to that date of April 19th where we can start those baseball-softball practices start girls lacrosse practices, start track and field practices, and hopefully by then we'll also have authorization for boys lacrosse to begin. And I really, I mean, I haven't given up hope on the winter season, and I don't think anybody should. I think if we can see things get better over the course of the next month to month and a half, I think it's very possible that we could get authorization from state officials for high-risk sports to be played. But again, so much is contingent upon the metrics that our state officials are analyzing and examining on a daily basis. Of course, uh, it could be a chaotic spring if the fall sports two season (laughs) gets underway in March, like everybody's hoping it was. I mean, we're going to see a a lot of sports going on uh, between March and uh, June. And that would be a great problem to have. And that's one thing that I've been talking to a lot of people about is I I don't think you're going to find any athletic directors, coaches, you're certainly not going to find me in that group complaining about having too many sports being played at any one time. But again, we have to look at where are sports played, what seasons are they placed in, because we're very aware of the fact that there are student athletes that play multiple sports. There's coaches that coach multiple sports. And then there's another element that a lot of people don't consider is there's officials that officiate multiple sports. So it's very challenging when you start talking about shifting sports seasons with keeping everything in line and making sure that we have venues available as well to accommodate the many sport offerings that would be, um, would be held in a particular season. So all of those things are being looked at right now. And um, again, I'm just staying optimistic and uh, trying to figure things out on a daily basis. Well, let's hope the next time we talk in 2021 that we're talking good news. We're talking about the spring championships, state championships uh, taking place. And uh, I just hope we can have some good news come uh, the spring. Well, and, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm always trying to do is I always try to look at the positive side of things. And one of my favorite quotes is even a dead clock shows the correct time twice a day. <laughs> and if you look at it from that perspective and you say, okay, this is, the most challenging thing that we've ever went through, but we're learning a lot from it. And I think the things that we used to consider to be difficult in the past, or we considered to be challenges in the past are no longer going to be that. And one example that I've been using with our committees when I speak to them is if we're preparing for the uh, 2022-2025 state basketball championships and there's a uh, big snowstorm approaching New York, it's not going to be perceived as that big of a deal if we simply say, instead of playing this weekend, we're going to go ahead and delay one week and we'll play next weekend. We know when we're going to play, we know where we're going to play, and we know who you're going to play. So it's not going to be as devastating as maybe it would have been just a year or two ago where if the snowstorm was approaching, everybody was in panic mode. I think we have to look at things and say our perspectives are going to change as a result of this. And I also think that we're going to value participation in high school sports to a much greater degree than we ever have before. And I think I I can't thank those coaches enough. I can't thank those athletic administrators enough, certainly our school superintendents, for doing all that they can right now just to keep school doors open, but also to place a level of importance upon participation. And in those low and moderate risk sports, we're seeing kids gain tremendous participation 
opportunities, and we hope to be able to provide those same opportunities to high-risk sports student-athletes in the very near future. Well, Dr. Zayas, appreciate a few minutes as always, and uh, I hope you have a happy, you and your family have a happy holiday, and uh, we'll talk in 2021. Hey, sounds great. You too. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity to come on. I appreciate it. The Associated Press' NBA beat writer Tim Reynolds joins me next here on the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Hi, I'm Kaylin Brown, Managing Editor of the Daily Gazette. I'd like to wish you a happy holiday season. Please stay safe and wear the face mask. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Two months after the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship over the Miami Heat, the regular season will start Tuesday. And to talk about uh, the short and offseason and uh, all the news going on in the NBA is the man who covers the uh, NBA for the Associated Press and a former Times Union and post-star writer, uh, Tim Reynolds. Tim, well, you're welcome to the podcast. And I should tell you right now, we're, we have the AP back at the Gazette, so we're going to we see a lot of your uh, articles uh, down the road here. I, um, I, know, I know we're back in the Gazette, and I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. Um, I'm thrilled that you guys... Are, are back and uh, just so everybody knows up front, yes, I still keep very close tabs on what's going on at home. I still call it home. I've been down here almost 20 years now, but uh, to me, the 518 is forever going to be home. So, of course, I'm keeping tabs on it all. 20 years, my God, it's, that's shoo, that time flies, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. When uh, when we came down here, um, you know, my wife was she come down a year before I did. Um, and I said at the time that we'd be here for five years. So you can pretty much, uh, you can see who won that. <laughs> who won that hey, 20 years down in Florida is not too bad. It's, it's, it's pretty good. You know, no snow and all that stuff. Hey. <laughs> it did. No, it did. People don't believe me, but I swear to you, it did snow here once. It was like, it was like, I remember it vividly. It was like a Saturday afternoon. It was like 38, which I think is the coldest it's been since I've been here. And, of course, it didn't stick, but there were these incredible, huge, wet flakes one afternoon. So I went out to get the dogs. I wanted the do- I ran back in the house to get the dogs. I wanted the dog to experience it, and by the time I got the dog, got back out, it stopped. Was but there- it did snow here, I swear to you, for about five minutes once in my tenure here. So, what, that's, so I, I, I've had it now. Was there panic down there? <laughs> no, I've always wanted to see, like, what an inch of snow on the roads here would do. That would be panic. Yeah. I mean, they don't have... It, 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 it's 
you don't want to drive in rain down here. Like the, the, the it, it's cliche and stereotypical to say that people in South Florida don't drive very well, but people in South Florida don't drive very well. So you don't, you, I don't want to ever see what snow would be panic. Snow would be chaos. Yeah. <laughs> rain is panic. Snow is just ab- snow would be absolute chaos. Well, let's talk something other than weather here. Let's talk about the NBA. And as I said in the open, Tim, it's uh, a short turnaround, the shortest turnaround of any sports season we've seen, uh, obviously thanks to the uh, pandemic. I mean, are we ready to start the, start the NBA uh, play so soon? I, I know I'm not. <laughs> no, no one asked my opinion. No, that's the problem. Um, you know, I mean, look, we're, you know, the, the season's starting, you know, like you said, on Tuesday. And Tuesday is three days before Christmas. And in case anybody was wondering why we're starting, it's because of Christmas. Um, You know, the league has television partners. Uh, They've paid 20-something billion dollars over the course of this contract for, you know, for the right to show NBA games. And the television partners made it very, very clear that they want um, as close to a full year as possible. And ESPN slash ABC which I think has all five of the Christmas games, um, you know, they really wanted them on. So, so you know, it, it's a short turnaround, and it's important to remember this, too. Yes, it's like a 70-day turnaround for the Lakers and the Heat. For Kevin Herter and the Atlanta Hawks, it's eight and a half months. Yeah. So there, there's not even yin and yang. It's, it's total apple and oranges, some of these layoffs. There was going to be nothing that was equitable and equal for everybody. It just wasn't ever – there was no great solution. So the NBA decided, well, let's make the TV partners happy, especially in a year where the league – you know, it missed its revenue mark. I don't want to say it lost money because it didn't lose it. It just didn't get it. It missed its revenue mark last season by about a billion five. Uh, revenue will be down again this year too because most buildings will have no fans and them. The ones who do will have a very small number – they know revenue is going to be down by keeping the games on television. At least that keeps that pipeline going. So it's not ideal, but they're playing. And Tuesday night, we put the ball in the air, and hopefully they get through 72 games in a playoff. The biggest question here, Tim, obviously the bubble worked down in uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida, but we're not going to have a bubble for this one. We're going to have teams traveling. We're seeing what's going on in the NFL. We're seeing what's going on in college football how the, the uh, COVID's running rampant and, and out, seems to be out of control. College football games are being canceled. And we see NFL shifting games around, trying to get this season in. What's going to happen with the NBA with, without a bubble? I mean, we're, are we going to see lots of cancellations and uh, movement of games? Because I think when the schedule came out, they didn't really give the entire schedule. They gave it through, I think, March 4th. That's true. And it was by design that they did that. Um, you know, they, they know they're going to lose some games. They just don't know how, and they don't know how that process is going to evolve. So what they've done is they, they've, they've obviously they shortened the season from 82 to 72 games. They have given teams their schedule for the first 37 or 38, roughly roughly half the season, obviously. And then they've built a week in, like between like March 5th and March 11th, where you could be off. That could be the quote-unquote all-star break, even though there won't be an all-star weekend this year they could you could see games added to that span but the the point of having the second half of the schedule not out yet is if they have to move games from the first half into that they want to make sure that the conferences play their full freight or at least pretty close to it meaning they want miami to play all of its eastern conference opponents they want the lakers to play all their western conference opponents so you don't have weird things happening with the tiebreakers and the conference standing so much. You, in a perfect world, everybody's going to get to 72. Look, you and I both know that's not going to happen. It, it just, it, some games are going to be lost. I think it was, you know, the NFL getting so far through this thing relatively whole, it, it, it's fairly amazing what they've been able to do. Baseball, most of those teams getting close to 60 games that was pretty impressive, especially considering the way it started and the problems that the Marlins and the Cardinals had. Yeah, don't get me started on the Marlins. Yeah. I, I, I'm a Phillies fan. Yep. I don't like the way they handle things. Uh, I, as am I. <laughs> I'm a Phillies fan also, and you know, I ain't a big fan of the Dombrowski move. We can talk about that off air if you want, <laughs> but I'm a long-suffering Phillies fan. The, um, you know, 
it's it's uh, it goes back to the fundamental question: Are we ready? Are our teams ready after ten weeks? No, they're not. Um, but if not now, then when? I mean, the NBA has. I mean, I I've got the protocols. I've read all 140 pages of this incredibly detailed document. They know it's not infallible. Only the bubble is infallible. And the bubble, we were in the safest place in the world when we were in the bubble. Guys are going to get this thing. But when you go back and look, Ken, a lot of guys in this league have already had it. And, and the NBA is hoping that the fact that so many guys have had it already in this league, guys are dealing with it as we speak in this league. Guys have been unable to go to training camp because they tested positive when they were returning to their home markets. It, 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 they're, they're hoping that eventually the combination of the fact that so many guys have had it and the vaccine now starting to get rolled out, they're hoping they can find a way to get through most of the season. And most would be good enough to make them happy. Especially, I guess, if the Olympics happen in, uh, in 2021 in Tokyo, I mean, the NBA players are going to be. So it's, I mean, how much rest are these guys going to get if, if some of these guys are going to the Olympics uh, uh, next year? Well, right now, Game 7 of the NBA Finals is very tentatively set for July 22nd. And our friends at NBC will have opening ceremony from Tokyo on July 23rd. So, some guys, like, hypothetically, say the guy that covers the NBA Finals for the AP and covers the Olympics for the AP, I might not be getting a whole lot of rest uh, in July. Um. And, and yes, I do plan to go to both. Don't ask me how. I have no clue how this is going to work. Um, it's a nice problem to have, but yeah. I have no clue how it's going to work. It, it, it's it's going to be fascinating for a lot of reasons. One, so many guys are free agents next summer. And they're not going to the Olympics without NBA contracts done because that brings them their financial security and also their health, their health security, their insurances. All those things are tied into the contract. That's number one. Number two is going to be the break. Because when you come back from the Olympics, they want next season to start in October. Come back from the Olympics at the end of August, you have no time off yet again, practically. Um, And thirdly, something we don't think about here in the States, because the U.S. is already qualified, there's four four spots in the Olympics still up for grabs. 24 nations, including Greece, so Giannis, including Serbia, so Nikola Jokic out in Denver. Um, You know, Canada's not in. The coach of the Raptors, Nick Nurse, is supposed to coach that Canadian team. They're supposed to go through qualifying in June to qualify for those last spots in Tokyo. How is that going to work? Because you're going to obviously have more teams playing in June than you will in July. We'll just be getting into the playoffs. We'll just be in like the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. The Olympics are going, they want NBA players, and the NBA wants NBA players in the Olympics. But if you expect all the stars to go, it is not going to happen. Might, might end up being some of the you know, players from the teams not even, that don't make the playoffs. That's uh, I mean, that's going to be crazy to see what happens with that, and who knows what. Uh, but let's look ahead to uh, the season, NBA season itself. Tim uh, Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press joining us here on the Party Shots podcast. Obviously, the Lakers are the defending champions. LeBron James uh, and uh, Davis is there. I mean, uh, is this team ready to repeat? I think they got better. I think the moves they made this summer made them better. Um, they did lose some leadership in, in Rajon Rondo. And, and I know people will look at Rajon's numbers and say, you know, so what? Well, no, he was a really, he was a stabilizing force in that locker room. He connected very well with LeBron. He, he took some of the leadership responsibility and duties off LeBron's shoulders. Um, I think on paper, you have to say they're the best team. I, I, I would tell everyone going into this year, I think you're going to see weird things happening in the standings. I don't think LeBron's going to play all 72 games. Not a real big surprise. You're going to see some guys resting. Um, Rest is a very dirty word in the NBA right now, but you're going to see some guys take some nights off. Teams are going to be designed to be as healthy as you can for the playoffs. Teams aren't going to worry so much about home court advantage because who knows if fans are even going to be in the buildings, you know, in any real numbers for the playoffs. Teams are going to worry about just getting in, and being as healthy as they can come playoff time. That's what this regular season is going to be about. Some team is going to be the one or the two seed that's going to surprise you, and then they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs because it turns out they weren't really that good. Um, I think the Lakers are probably the best team on paper. I think the Heat 
are better than the team that surprised a lot of people went to the finals last year. But Brooklyn is going to be very, very good if they can keep everybody happy. Boston's going to be good. Toronto's going to be good. And nobody ever talks about Toronto for some reason. They're going to be good. The West is going to be brutally tough. I, but yes, the Lakers are the pick, and they should be, and they've earned that. But, man, there's legitimately eight or nine teams, maybe even more, that can go into the season saying we're good enough to win a championship and be right. I think it's going to be an amazing year depth-wise in the league. And it's not, don't be surprised if you see a couple of three seeds or four seeds in the NBA Finals. One of the big stories uh, during this uh, preseason, and as we talk here on Tuesday, things could change between now and the time this podcast is posted on Thursday, is James Harden. He wants out of Houston. He's mentioned Philadelphia. He's mentioned Brooklyn. What do you think is going to happen with Harden? Well, he's going to get moved. I mean, he's going to get traded. Um, you know, as as we're taping this now, and it is an important disclaimer that you know we're taping this Tuesday. It's coming out Thursday. You know, he's scheduled to play tonight, as we said here, against San Antonio um, in a preseason game. I I don't think you'll see a whole lot in this in this preseason from James Harden. Houston knows. Houston is not one of those eight or nine teams that I talked about that's going into the year thinking they're going to win the NBA championship. It's a really difficult spot for them because they have a new head coach in Steven Silas who's been waiting a long time for this opportunity. And they want to do right by him. And he's really well-liked in the league. He's well-regarded in the league. James Harden doesn't want to be the guy that causes Steven Silas to go 20 and 52 in his first year and conceivably never get a job again. It's a very delicate situation. He's going to get traded, but Houston is going to wait for the right deal. Because remember, he's under contract for two years and has like a $50 million, close to $50 million option for the third year after that. The Rockets, they control him. And so, yes, his list is believed to be Brooklyn, Philly, Miami, Milwaukee. That's all well and good. He can't force a trade anywhere. Houston's going to take the best deal. They want a star, they want a young star player, and they want a boatload of draft picks. And some team in this league, Ken, is going to start like four and seven and feel like they're falling out of the race real fast. And then they're going to dial up the Houston Rockets and say, we're ready to talk. I think that's when you're going to see a deal. I don't expect to see it before opening night. I think you're going to see a team make the move once they kind of sputter out of the gate a little bit and realize, hey, we've got something here, but we need another big piece. Let's take the risk. Let's bring in James Harden. Let's roll the dice and see what happens. Because you can never have enough stars in this league. That's rule number one of the NBA right now. You never have enough stars. And these guys don't come on the open market too often. You don't see teams willing to deal a three-time scoring champion and a former MVP too, too often. Someone is going to pay the price, but Houston is going to wait until they get that price. Another star who's uh, making news, of course, in Milwaukee is Giannis, uh, the Greek freak. Uh, he's not hasn't said he's, whether or not he's going to sign the Supermax. Uh, what do you read into that? Well, us being, you know, career print guys, you know, what's the difference between 200 and 250 million? I mean, really. I mean, you know, it's, it's like newspaper money. That's right, yeah. So I, I, I feel for him. I, I wrestle with these decisions all the time. But it's, it's, it's really strange to me that he has not signed it yet. And again, you know, he still has until the 21st where he can sign, and he may sign in the next two days, as we say this. So I'm sure I'm jinxing it by talking about it. But I, I, I'm there aren't too many guys in this league who would have the opportunity to sign a piece of paper and be guaranteed a quarter of a billion dollars. That's many people walking the planet who would wait and see if it's the right thing. Who would wait and see if it's the right thing? It, I, I'll tell you this. I, I do believe he's going to sign it. Because can you imagine going into a year where you are a team good enough to win the NBA championship, but you're going to have this anvil hanging over your head all year that Giannis could walk away next summer for nothing? That Giannis, that the Bucks traded all those players and all those draft picks the Bucks totally backed him into a corner with the moves they made this summer. And I kind of wonder if he's making them sweat or is it just going to backfire now on Milwaukee? Milwaukee, by, by trading 
so many assets and so many draft picks. They told Giannis, look, it's all on you. It's, all this is on you. We are betting everything that we are on you staying with us. That's a really bad position. That's not a fair position to put a guy like Giannis in. He's won two MVPs. He's done right by it. You should be doing more to make his life easier, not put him in this situation. It's it's going to be a fascinating thing, but keep in mind, even if he signs the Supermax, and I don't think people realize this, even if he signs it, they can still trade. It just raises the price. Mm-hmm. And no contract in the NBA, no contract in the NBA <laughs> is untradeable. I watched Shaquille O'Neal get traded three times. Anybody can get traded in this league. Yes, Giannis, if he signs it, he could still get moved. But what a risky play by the Bucks this summer to back him into this corner and say, it's all on you, man. It's all on you. The fate of the city, the fate of the franchise, it's all on your shoulders. That wasn't really fair for them to do it that way. Early in this interview, you mentioned Kevin Hurd, of course, the Shenandoah grads, you know, playing for the Atlanta Hawks. What do you see out of him this year? I, I, I think people that follow me on social know that I'm a, I'm a Kevin Herter fan who covers the NBA. It's not the other way around. <laughs> I, I'm not an NBA fan who covers Kevin. I, I love him. Um, you know, the Herters are family to me, so I'm probably saying a lot of things I'm about to say with my heart and not my head, but I I didn't like the moves the Hawks made this summer. I, they didn't need wings. They needed other things, you know, and so they bring in a bunch of guys that play Kevin's position. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I wasn't. But I'll tell you what I do like about the situation that he's in, he probably will not start for this team. Okay, that's that's a step back, Brandon. But in the NBA, it's more about are you on the floor at the end? Are you on the floor in the minutes that decide a game? And I think he still has a chance to be in that position. I also, we mentioned Rondo before in the podcast. Rajon Rondo is now the backup point guard in Atlanta. I'm going to love watching Kevin play with Rajon Rondo, playing with a true point guard, a true distributor, a guy who's going to make Kevin better. Kevin is a legitimate NBA player, period. He just is. He's proven it. He can pass. He can shoot. He can defend. He's answered every question he's had to answer in these first two years. And if the Hawks go a different way with who they play on the wing, that's great. I wish them well. Know this, and I think Shen fans, Kevin fans, Capital Region people need to know, Kevin's not going anywhere. Kevin's proven to be an NBA player, and there's a lot of teams in this league that would love to get their hands on a Kevin Herter. Believe me when I say that. Finally, the New York Knicks. They have a new coach, new GM, same owner. (laughs) James Dolan there. Uh, What's the story going to mean? I mean, is Dolan finally going to maybe step away and let the the, uh, management run, run this team, let the GM and coach run this team? I think it would be for all of for all of Jim Dolan's many faux pas over the years to bring in Tom Thibodeau and not let him have as much control as he wants to have, I think would be the biggest mistake the Knicks have made in the Dolan era. Um, they are not going to be a playoff team. They just aren't. But that's okay. If, if they start building something, create an identity. Who, who do you want to be? Do you want to be a go, go, go team? Do you want to be a defense team? Which spoiler alert with Tom Thibodeau, you want to be a defense team. Figure out who can play defense, figure out who can handle the, it's not easy to play for Tom. Tom's a grinder. It's not like the old days. He's not going to practice them for two and a half hours a day. Nobody does that anymore. And with this schedule, with so many games crammed into like 140 days, you, you can't do it. You can't practice the way he wants to. If Dolan, Dolan's best move, we all know this, would be to be hands-off. And they're saying he's going to be. They're saying that Tom is going to have a say in these things. Leon Rose, Leon Rose was one of the most powerful men in basketball when he was at CAA. Bringing in Leon Rose was another really good decision by Jim Dolan. CAA represents like half the league. Let Leon Rose use his relationships and get good players. Let Tom Thibodeau use his knowledge and his savvy and make those good players great players. Keep Jim Dolan out of it as much as you can. Don't let it become the circus that it's been there for so long. And it will get better. 
don't expect playoffs this year. I mean, they can sneak in as an eight seed. They're nowhere near good enough to compete. But let them take the steps they need to take this year. Otherwise, if they have, if, if it doesn't work out with Tom and with Leon running the, with, at the controls of this thing, then it can't work for anybody. Because you brought in two incredibly smart, incredibly competent people. You can't take the bat out of their hands. If you do that, if he does that, the Knicks will take yet another step back. And I frankly don't know how many more steps back they can take. Well, we'll see what happens with the Knicks. I mean, you don't want to take off Spike Lee. I mean, Spike will, <laughs> I know he's mad at the Knicks for what happened uh, with the uh, situation with the entrance. Uh, so you want Spike on your side. You need Spike on your side. <laughs> I mean, again, the world, the league is better. I mean, look, I mean, I, like, I've been in Miami 20 years. The whole Pat Riley Knicks thing, it never really went away. They still hate the Knicks here. Believe me, they hate the Knicks. And it drove heat. It drove the heat management and heat players and Riles and Eric Spolstra. I remember when the Knicks were okay a few years ago. And the Knicks would come down to Miami for a game, and this place would be MSG South. There would be all those dudes in Knicks jerseys, and I don't know where you find these guys here, but the Knicks would take over this arena. You've made Knicks fans even embarrassed to be Knicks fans now. It's, it's sad. It, you can't lose Spike. You can't lose Celebrity Row. I know they're not going to have fans in the Garden for at least the start of the year. It sounds like it's going to be a lot longer, given the situation in New York City, of course. Just hope that they're better. You have assets. You have you have caps. You have a ton of cap space next summer. You're going to have a good draft pick. You've got a young core, a good coach, and a smart president. Give it time and see what happens. But also, you can't go too terribly long because that team in Brooklyn, especially if they get James Harden, that team in Brooklyn is going to be really, really good. And you don't. Can you imagine a day where the New York Knicks? are the second most beloved team in New York City. Can you imagine yeah. that day? Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. If the Nets get real good, it could happen real fast. There might so be there might be a celebrity role at the Barclays Center. for them just to stay quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? So I'm at Twitter at by Tim Reynolds. Um, I was very imaginative. I just used my byline <laughs> for the for the uh, uh, for, for the handle. Um, I apologize up front because, um, like I said, I'm I'm down here, but I still love things at home. So I know I annoy Heat fans when I tweet about Sienna. I annoy Sienna fans when I tweet about bobsled. I annoy bobsledding fans when I tweet about the Miami Hurricanes. It's kind of all over the map on there. But we welcome you. Come join the party. Have a good time. Um, and don't be don't be too upset when I slap back at you because I, I'm, I've been known to do that a time or two on there. Well, Tim, I appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck uh, with the season, and uh, it's going to be a crazy year. And uh, you know, we'll follow you uh, your stories on the Associated Press. Ken, it's good to hear your voice. And um, let me just say one thing before I go: uh, buy a newspaper, people. Yes. Read the. I I still read them. I still I I read the Gazette. I still subscribe to the Post Star. Um, I read the TU when I can. Um, I mean, there are so many friends of mine who are still working up there. It's amazing. And there's some really good storytellers in the capital region of these papers. Um, You've got a wonderful media market and some really, really, really good reporters and writers. You don't have that everywhere, capital region, so take advantage of it. I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you for coming on the podcast, and we'll talk during the season. Thanks for having me, Ken. All right, that's Tim Reynolds. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hey, football fans, the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest is back. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets their name in Thursday's Daily Gazette and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery gift card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. 
to play, go to dailygazette.com slash football and create your account or use your past account. Select the teams you think will win. You may enter your picks and score predictions five minutes before the start of each game. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. For questions concerning the local contest, contact Randy Lewis at rlewis at dailygazette.net. The trip to Hawaii is part of a national contest. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, I'm Daily Gazette staff writer Mike McAdam. I'd like to wish you a happy holiday season. Please stay safe and wear the face mask so we can enjoy talking about sports and not the pandemic in 2021. Back to wrap up the podcast. I'm happy to announce that the Parting Shots podcast is now available on Pandora and iHeartRadio.com. Please subscribe today. I'm very excited to be on those two major platforms. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Cashbox, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podchaser.com. Check out my Parting Shots blog for my Week 15 NFL Picks and TV listings. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports slash parting dash shots. Once again, I am going head to head with Daily Gazette news columnist Sarah Foss. I have trailed Sarah all season and I finally caught her. We are both 136, 71 and 1. I was 10 and 6 in week 14 while Sarah was 9 and 7. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. The second wave of the coronavirus is hitting us, so please be vigilant. Even though the vaccine for the coronavirus is coming out, keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be positive. Stay negative. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Will Brown, Dr. Robert Zayas, and Tim Reynolds for coming on the show. I will be taking next week off. I will be back with a year in review podcast the following week. I will be joined by my colleagues on the Gazette Sports staff. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask, and Merry Christmas!